Welcome. I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is the podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through 1 Peter. Today is episode 1010, and we'll look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 17 through 21. Let's read the passage. If you appeal to the Father who judges impartially according to each one's work, you are to conduct yourselves in reverence during your time living as strangers. For you know that you were redeemed from your empty way of life, inherited from your ancestors, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for you. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. This is Peter's letter to the Christians living in Asia Minor. Peter is in Rome, and these Christians are living in modern-day Turkey, and the letter is being circulated amongst them to provide some encouragement for them, some advice on how to live in the face of persecution, because they are experiencing persecution. He's trying to help them see things from a bigger perspective. In verses 1 through 12, he said the believers anticipate an inheritance and a salvation. In verse 13, he said that they should set their hope completely on Christ's coming. And in verse 15, they should devote themselves to holiness. That leads into verse 17, where we pick it up. And he says, if you appeal to the Father who judges impartially according to each one's work, you're to conduct yourselves in reverence during your time living as strangers. So you have this anticipation of what you're going to inherit, anticipation of salvation, set your hope on Christ, devote yourself to holiness, and now you are conducting yourselves in reverence. Well, the word reverence here is the Greek word phobos, which is where we get the word fear. And most translations translate this as fear. Conduct yourselves in fear. Live your lives in fear. A few translations say reverent fear. So there's a debate there. Should it be translated as reverence or fear? Because we think fear, we often think of like terror. And that's not the way we view God with terror. But we do have a healthy fear with God. Just as a good driver is confident in driving, but has a healthy fear of an accident. So is very careful in how you drive. And so a lot of people think that reverence is not a strong enough word. That's where I like the idea of reverent fear, because it it strengthens reverence, but it doesn't go all the way into terror. The Old Testament talks all the time about fearing God. Now, we understand it doesn't mean live in terror of God, but it means have a big, healthy dose of respect for God. You realize who he really is. And so you're living with this understanding of there will be judgment. And if he judges impartially, if we really call him father, then we should be very sensitive about the fact he's not going to indulge us in sin. Now, do this during your time living as strangers. And this is this idea that our true home is not here. It is not earth. Our true home is heaven. So we're here as 
resident aliens. We're here as sojourners passing through. We're just here on our way to heaven, but we're here on a mission. So we're not at a home here. We don't really fit in here. We don't have the same value system as people in in the world who are not followers of Christ. We don't have the same goals. And so this reminder that we are strangers during this time. Our focus should be on heaven. Our focus should be on God. And a big, healthy dose of reverent fear should be part of that. Verse 18. Now he's shifting to why you are to live your lives with this reverent fear. Here's the explanation of why that is. For you know that you were redeemed from your empty way of life inherited from your ancestors. Well, this is empty way of life. He's just talking about living without Christ. That's how you came into the world. You were born without Christ. But you then came to Christ and you were redeemed. Redeemed means bought back or released from slavery. You would redeem a slave by paying a certain amount to the owner to set that person free. And that's kind of what happened here is that Christ paid the price to set us free. Now, who did he pay the price to? He paid the price to God. Because we were under God's judgment until Christ paid the price and that set us free. Now, redeemed not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, that of the unblemished and spotless lamb. So he's talking about the value. It's you were redeemed. It was costly to redeem you from the penalty of sin, to redeem you from God's judgment. And what was the price? The death of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God the Son. That should drive us to gratitude, wonder. It should also drive us to fear, a healthy dose of fear, of really getting a grip on how big a deal this is. What has God really done? Verse 20. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for you. He's talking about Jesus Christ here. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world. So this is talking about all this happened not by happenstance. It wasn't like God suddenly said, wow, this place is a mess. What am I going to do about the sin problem? The death of Christ was part of the plan from the get-go. God set out his plan, and in the plan was that Christ would come and pay the penalty of sin with a death penalty. And you could ask, well, why did God set it up that way? Couldn't he have done something different? And that's beyond our ability to comprehend. All we we can do is say that's the way God did set it up. And it has to do with God's perfect justice, which demands penalty for sin, which is an offense against the infinite, perfect God. But yet, Because of his perfect love, perfect mercy, perfect grace, he has done what's necessary to redeem us from the penalty of sin. And that was all part of God's plan from the beginning. So Christ was foreknown, meaning what he was going to do has always been part of the plan. Verse 21, through him you believe in God who raised him from the dead. It gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. You say you believe in God through what Christ has done. And pretty much it's through the resurrection. 
Jesus died on the cross, that paid the penalty for sin. But the reason he rose from the dead, the resurrection, is to prove that what he said was true. He is who he said he is. He is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. He is the Savior. The gospel is true. We do experience reconciliation with God through the death of Christ. So all these things are proved to be true because of the resurrection. And so through him you believe in God. Through what Christ has done, we believe in God because it proves that what he said is true. People say, well, why should I believe in your God versus another God? Well, nobody else has the resurrection. The resurrection happened. It is a historical fact. And if it really did happen, and it did, then it's not too hard to believe the whole gospel. Because Jesus then is who he said he is, the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through First Peter.